Story number one is COVID impacts on the airline industry. This is something that we've talked about several times on the show, but we have another update that I think is really interesting and shows a different kind of response compared to the last response that we saw from airlines. Um, If you remember, Tyler, we did a story on here about how airlines were thinking of axing smaller cities from their routes because of a diminished... um, uh, I guess season of revenue uh, right. because of the pandemic. Now what we're seeing is, and, and when we talked about that, I think one of the main takeaways was, okay, this is one of those decisions that, uh, you know, is is kind of caked in language around we had no other choice, but could be seen as a business move to only keep routes that are more profitable and not really make changes that are in the customer's best interest. Uh, and that could have some negative repercussions for the industry moving forward if they continue to make changes that are only for their bottom line. What we're seeing today and uh, what frames our story that we're about to unpack is actually the opposite. Airlines making a move that by all accounts looks like a very customer-focused, customer-service-focused Uh, change to some of their best practices. So I'll go ahead and break it down. Like I said, COVID has done some irreparable damage to certain industries, and the airline industry is uh, one of the largest examples, in my opinion, which continues to lose employees, routes, and practices that were commonplace until the pandemic. And the newest update from airlines spells the end for one of the most common and definitely one of the most unliked practices that airlines still use, and that is, drumroll, expensive change fees. Wow. Huge. Yes, change fees, as we know them, are most likely gonzo. Tyler, do you have any- Come on. Yes. Do you have any horrible memories when it comes to dealing with change fees? Yes, actually. I was on (laughs) a- uh... (laughs) I was on a uh, market scale trip up to, um, we went and did a, a shoot for minor league baseball and we were up in Ohio and we were in Akron and then Toledo and then drove over to Detroit to fly back to Dallas. And while we were there, a massive storm, this was last summer, rolled through Dallas and like destroyed, uh, you know, neighborhoods and trees and all that sort of thing. A big tree limb fell on the back of my house. We Oof. had to get the roof redone, all this stuff. But anyways... We had to uh, change our flight because it it got canceled or whatever. And so just awful change fees, awful experience dealing with that, right? And it's one of those things where you're stressed out as it is. You're not at home. You know something is going on at home. Like power was knocked out in my neighborhood for like three days. And all I wanted to do was to get back to my house and like take care of my family and everything. And uh, instead, you're standing there talking to some customer service rep who's telling you that it's going to cost you $200 to get home earlier. And you're just like, this is the worst this thing. is the last thing <laughs> yes. i ever want to do yes you are a necessary evil you know uh right now airline person and i want you to know that i do not like this <laughs> right exactly uh yeah yeah well what about you have, have you ever been in that circumstance uh for us it's been more like i mean i Yes, but I was so young that like I don't mm-hmm. really remember it impacting us. It's like you know family vacation right, stuff. Right. Right. Uh, personally, 
we had some uh, family vacations planned with the girlfriend and with her family that we've continued to push back rescheduling because there's only like one uh, free change that we get. And then any further changes, we have to pay major change fees. So we've been like holding off on when do we reschedule this next uh, flight uh, because if we... Uh, underestimate COVID and do something earlier than we need to and COVID is still raging and we don't feel comfortable flying, then we're out like thousands of dollars basically. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and then on top of that, hundreds more in change fees. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a practice that feels spiteful (laughs) to say the (laughs) least. Yeah, And what's cool is that uh, because of COVID, and, you know, not to silver line COVID, but I feel like we do this every once in a while, uh, it had put a spotlight on change fees. Um, a lot of airlines removed them temporarily uh, when the pandemic first hit, if flights were affected by shutdowns. You know, oh, yeah, you know, we understand this is uh, unprecedented. You can adjust your flight once for free, and we won't charge you. Um, and... What's surprising is that now United is saying that they're going to permanently drop their change fees. Uh, There are other airlines that followed suit, but they were the first ones to make this move because of COVID, which I found very surprising because change fees are historically a major source of of, uh, revenue for airlines, uh, especially when they can get as high as like $200 a person. Right. Uh, so, you know, if you're dealing with a multi-person family vacation, that could, you know, leak uh, almost $1,000 out of a single family. Um, change fees for the whole airline industry netted about $2.8 billion in 2019. So this is a huge source of revenue for airlines. But United decided that they were going to drop it. And here's what CEO Scott Kirby said, quote, When we hear from customers about where we can improve, getting rid of this fee is often the top request. Following previous tough times, airlines made difficult decisions to survive, sometimes at the expense of customer service. United Airlines won't be following that same playbook as we come out of this crisis, end quote. And since then, other major airlines have made the same move, ending almost all of their change fee policies permanently. That includes Hawaiian Airlines, Alaska Airlines, American Airlines, and Delta airlines. Here are some of the caveats on those changes. Delta and United are only waiving change fees on domestic flights. American is waiving change fees on domestic and short-haul international flights, which would be flights to the Caribbean, Mexico, Canada. Uh, Hawaiian Airlines is eliminating change fees on all of their flights, and that includes U.S. to Hawaii, international destinations, and flights between the islands. But their distinction is on who within the flight gets uh, the change fee elimination. Everyone does except for main cabin, cabin, excuse me, main cabin basic. So uh, if you're flying the most economy version of the Mm -hmm. flight, you will not be able to um, change your flight for free. So any thoughts on this move off the dome, Tyler? Well, it's one of those things that... If you were to ask why are change fees a thing in the first place, it's quite simply just one of those things that is the way that they want it to be, yeah. right? Like, it, th- there's never really been a a firm reason for them, right? Like, other than 
airlines decided they're a thing and so now they're a thing and so they've they've removed this thing that was universally disliked during a time when airlines really need a boost and you know i think that that's probably an important thing to to note but um you know, there was, there was never a reason for them in the first place, but uh, I do agree that taking them away can help garner some goodwill, I hope, amongst the public, which will in turn end up benefiting, benefiting the airline industry because uh, they are in fact struggling right now. But it is interesting that at a time when, you know, airlines are having a harder time than possibly ever, they make a change that does kind of affect their bottom line in a negative way, but benefits the, the consumer. Maybe just kind of showing that in the worst of times, the best thing that you could possibly do is cater to the people that are your customers, right? That's what uh, I'm thinking as well. Yeah, it's definitely the takeaway that obviously frames the whole story, but was a really surprising move to me, especially in the context of, like we said at the beginning, uh, some of the other changes that airlines have been making. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the pressure's obviously on for them to make changes, but uh, for example... Um, I, I believe it's United also recently announced that they're going to be furloughing some 16,000 employees or something like that, um, which is a lot of people losing their jobs. And so you would imagine, okay, yes, confirmed United Airlines is going to furlough about 16,000 employees. Um, and you would imagine, yeah, those kind of cuts are the more you know, callous kind of uh, difficult chops that companies are making to labor uh, and to their bottom line uh, to survive the pandemic. But this kind of shift that is a a, a purely customer service related uh, shift and one that actually impacts their bottom line because they mm-hmm. were making so much revenue off of change fees uh, goes to show that they are really in desperate times and need any sort of motivator to get people booking flights. So here's another little bit of context that I think is important. Um, You know, a lot of these airlines mostly got their money or at least their, um, their consistent travelers through business travel. Uh, You know, it's uh, obviously a common practice um, for meetings, for collaboration, for trade shows, regardless. But now that business travel is down because of the pandemic, the business world has had to adapt. And therefore, we might not see a return to business travel in any way uh, to you know, pre-COVID numbers. Um, a lot of businesses have found that this extraneous flying is exactly that. It's extraneous and it is unnecessary and costly uh, when you know you could do the same meetings virtually or you could host the same conferences virtually uh, or you could just um, not fly. You know, uh, it, there doesn't even really have to be a replacement. Just businesses are kind of crunched. And so, you know, something that's going to probably be cut is business travel. So if this business travel doesn't come back in full capacity, that means airlines are probably going to be forced to invest more in leisure travel and leisure travelers. So how how do sure. we get those travelers on, right? One of the big ones is cutting these kind of spiteful fees or at least the ones that come off to the customer is spiteful because they often hit like in the worst moment. Like you said, God, we're trapped somewhere. We don't know what we're doing. Our flight is destroyed and our trip is ruined. 
also pay $200 to change your flight so you can get home. Um, you know, crazy, not fun, and uh, definitely a change that's customer-facing. So, you mm-hmm. know, w- do you imagine there's going to be any other long-term impacts because of this, or, or do you think airlines are going to have to make other changes to their business model to uh, attract more leisure travelers? I do, because, you know, I, I think that you could you could probably trace uh, a number of changes that, that the airline industry had made, basically knowing that anybody that wanted to travel had to use an airline. And so with that being the case, I, I feel like the consumer experience had been maybe repeatedly um, degraded in favor of moves that that benefited the bottom line for airlines whether it's reducing leg room you know and, and things along those lines right like it I, I feel like travel had become less and less of a luxurious experience for travelers um but at the same time that was done you know with this understanding and with this idea that um that everyone still had to travel that there weren't other options well now i think that there are other options. And so I think that, that airlines are going to have to look at some of the things that they've done in recent years when it comes to, you know, reducing leg room, reducing some amenities that they have had and maybe say, Hey, if we're going to differentiate ourselves, if we're going to get travelers back, we're going to have to earn some trust back and earn some goodwill back. And so I think change fees is one step, but I do think that there are other steps that could be taken. Um, just making a more standardized, uh, luxurious experience. They should probably, uh, they could probably stand to, learn a lesson a little bit from the retail industry where everything is experience-based now. You know, what's the shopping experience going to be like? That sort of thing. We have that conversation around retail all the time. I'd say the airline industry should probably look at that and say, okay, what sorts of things can we do to provide the best possible travel experience and then garner some repeat business that way if business travel isn't going to come back in the same way that it it existed previously? Right. Right. And there's another intersection here that I think is important which is if airlines start to cater more heavily toward leisure travel, are responsible for any of the travel trends that arise could be major spreaders of COVID. And uh, there's Mm -hmm. one specific piece of news that is fresh that I think uh, perfectly encapsulates what I mean. The U.S. State Department lifted its Do Not Travel advisory, and uh, that has kind of dominoed into millions of people Uh, booking flights for Labor Day and wanting to get out for this long weekend that we're about to have. And the Mm -hmm. major hotspots that uh, people are traveling to include Las Vegas, Denver, and Orlando. And basically what we're seeing is these are some of the top three most booked cities, according to a fresh report from TripIt. And uh, it shows that many travelers are kind of hive-minding their Labor Day travel. So if everyone from across the U.S. is traveling to the same three-ish cities, what does that potentially do for the spread of COVID? And surprisingly, cities like Orlando and Phoenix, which is another one in the uh, top travel lists for Labor Day, are actually up compared to travel from last year, despite being hotspots currently for COVID-19 outbreaks. So customers Hmm. aren't being, uh, you know, swayed away from traveling because these areas are outbreak hotspots and they're not being swayed because they're popular spots either. They're taking the risks and they're going. 
And you combine that with airlines that are trying to make it easier for leisure travelers to book flights uh, ASAP, you get a really uh, tough combination here. You get airlines that are struggling to survive, feeling like they're up against the wall. They got to make some changes. Um, and so they're making customer service facing ones to encourage more travel. Well, now everyone is traveling to the same spots, and some of those spots are COVID outbreak spots. So either they bring COVID there, or you know maybe they get COVID and then fly back home and continue to spread it to their hometowns and cities. Uh, it seems like a potential disaster, um, especially if this continues right. through the fall and especially through the holiday season, which is right around the corner. So that just leaves me thinking, you know, with the government continuing to pull back on restrictions and sort of allowing the private sector to make their own decisions on how to respond, uh, you know, what sort of responsibility does a major airline have in factoring in, you know, is our marketing, is our attempt to pull in more people actually increasing the spread of COVID? And, you know, do we have a responsibility to, uh, I don't know, to make business practices that keep that in mind over our bottom line or our profits and revenue. Any thoughts on that? This is tough because I don't know that I don't know that I believe that it's the job of a business to make the this to make the personal responsibility choices for individuals, right? Um, and that's that's a hard thing. Uh, we, we've we've had this conversation before, right? Uh, is is a business responsible for the way that somebody ends up using their product? And you can take that to you know multiple extremes or whatever. But if if people are going to travel, is it is it the job of the airlines to you know to regulate or stop them from doing that somehow? When you know in in reality, there is some personal responsibility here. Um, that if if people travel and get COVID that that's on them. And I guess the, the frustrating and the difficult part is that if they get COVID, they rarely just, uh, it's rarely just isolated to them, right? Typically that, that gets spread to other people that maybe didn't make that decision. Um, but uh, I, I guess I'm not sure that it's the job of the airline in that case to to stop someone from traveling or to place some regulations because... Um, because of where we are right now, I don't. I don't know. It's yeah. a it's a tough question. Yeah, it's for one me. of those things where I feel like um, having a company like make a uh, a sort of moral kind of uh, I don't know, like a decision where it feels like they have to baby their customers. I understand like why it feels like why is it our responsibility to do this? But it just feels like at every level we have. Right someone passing off responsibility to the next person um federal passing off to state state passing off to county uh at the local level passing off to the business owners to make the decisions um at a larger level uh you know having private entities like airlines decide what best practices are on their flights at a really interpersonal level, sort of, you know, the, I mean, honestly, the attitude we're seeing now, which is, hey, I'm going to risk it traveling to wherever, Orlando, Phoenix, 
um, Las Vegas, Denver. I'm going to fly there. I'm going to go through the airport. I'm going to get on a packed plane with a bunch of other people who all want to travel for Labor Day. But I'm going to take the personal risk, not factoring right. in, okay, well, COVID, you know, the, the major reason why we even social distance is because it's more of an empathetic, like, even if you don't think you're going to get it, you could potentially spread the virus to someone that is more at risk uh, or who, you know, could just act as another vehicle for spreading. And it's hard to keep everyone's social circles in your mind at all times. So it ends up having to be sort of a personal empathetic decision to not do those things. And it just feels Mm -hmm. like that attitude is lacking from a lot of places, uh, interpersonally, uh, at a structural level and everywhere in between. And I, I think that's why you end up seeing moves like this, where it's like, you know, the business is going to make a decision that is most business oriented. And if that means that more people, you know, for example, travel, end up spreading COVID and die or kill uh, at risk people because of the spread of COVID, um, you know, the airlines will basically, I mean, legally, like, I, I don't think anyone could like really sue them for this, but um, just morally, they don't see it as their responsibility. And I don't think they're like uniquely to blame here, but I think it's indicative of a broader attitude that, hey, we're just going to make do for us and everyone else has to adjust accordingly. Um, Yeah, it's just sort of a really rugged individualism that uh, I think permeates the U.S. and, uh, you know, makes it tough for there to be consensus on... um, I don't know, on, I guess, empathetic societal decisions like that. Anyways, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess if I were to rank the the parties most responsible here, though, or most at fault, if a bunch of people travel to a location and all get COVID, I think the airlines are pretty far down my, my totem pole of rankings, I think, in, in this case. Beyond, you know, just uh, like the individuals themselves, uh, federal and local state authorities and, and governments and that sort of thing. I think airlines for me are just carrying out the same function that they always have. And it's up to people and governments to, you know, have better regulations in place and have a better response to this in place. Um, then for me, it is the the airlines. But yeah, I, don't I guess know. my that, last note, my I thought. would rank it slightly differently. I, I'd put government. Uh, I agree that, yeah, we need like the government to make these decisions uh more clearly for the good of the populace um but then after that i would probably put a a private entity like a company uh above an individual person's action usually just because the business is going to uh i don't know i mean the 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 business you know businesses in the u.s have a lot of power and a lot of sway uh and especially for a private entity like a major airline and an industry that, um, you know, is led by huge, uh, huge, you know, multi-billion dollar corporations, um, you know, you would imagine they have some responsibility and uh, the customer's well-being is their well-being. They don't want to kill off all their customers, right? So um, I I would put, you know, that slightly above the, the individual's response. Um, but... 
yeah, I don't know. I guess at this point we're just sort of morally ranking. <laughs> so we'll just move on. Yeah, you know, uh, you know. Right. I guess last point here right. is just as an audience, I think we should continue to think about how uh, airlines and really how the hospitality industry at large should be responding to this crisis and whose responsibility is it to, um, you know, keep customers safe is it the customers is it the businesses uh is it both is it neither and uh yeah i think those are the big questions to be asking ourselves this was a snippet from business casual with daniel litwin and tyler kern your b2b morning radio show tune in wednesdays and fridays at 9 a.m central on the simple radio app or marketscale.com slash industries 